0: book three chapter thirteen of the crossing by winston churchill this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirteen a mystery i knew by the light that it was evening when i awoke so prisoners marked the passing of the days by a bar of sunlight and as i looked at the green trees in the courtyard vaguely troubled by i knew not what some one came and stood in the doorway it was nick you don't seem very cheerful said he a man ought to be who has been snatched out of the fire you seem to be rather too sure of my future i said trying to smile that's more like you said nick egad you ought to be happy we all ought to be happy she's gone she i cried who's gone madame la vicomtesse he replied rubbing his hands as he stood over me but she's left instructions with me for lindy as long as monsieur de coron de bando de buen gobierno you're not to do this you're not to do that you're to eat such and such things you're to be made to sleep at such and such times she came in here about an hour ago and took a long look at you before she left she was not ill i said faintly faith i don't know why she was not he said she's done enough to tire out an army but she seems well and fairly happy she had her joke at my expense as she went through the courtyard and she reminded me that we were to send a report by andre every day chagrin depression relief bewilderment all were struggling within me where did she go i asked at last to les Elles, he said you are to be brought there as soon as you are strong enough do you happen to know why she went i said now how the deuce should i know he answered i've done everything with blind civility since i came into this house i never asked for any reason it never would have done any good i suppose she thought you were well on the road to recovery and she knew that lindy was an old hand and then the doctors to come in why didn't you go i demanded with a sudden remembrance that he was staying away from happiness it was because i longed for another taste of liberty davy he laughed You and i will have an old-fashioned time here together a deal of talk and perhaps a little piquette who knows my strength came back bit by bit and listening to his happiness did much to ease the soreness of my heart while the light lasted it was in the night watches that my struggles came though often some unwitting speech of his would bring back the pain he took delight in telling me for example how for hours at a time i had been in a fearful delirium the lord knows what foolishness you talk davy said he it would have done me good to hear you had you been in your bright mind but you did hear me i said full of apprehensions some of it said he you were after wilkinson once in a burrow i believe and you swore dreadfully because he got out the other end i can't remember all the things you said Oh, yes, once you were talking to Auguste de saint about money. Money, I repeated in a sinking voice. Oh, a lot of jargon. The Vicomtesse pushed me out of the room, and after that I was never allowed to be there when you had those flights. Curse the mosquitoes. He seized a fan and began to ply it vigorously. I remember you were giving Auguste a lecture. Then I had to go these and other remembrances gave me sufficient food for reflection and many a shudder over the possibilities of my ravings she had put him out no wonder after a while i was carried to the gallery and there i would talk to the little doctor about the yellow fever which had swept the city monsieur perrin was not much of a doctor to be sure and he had a heartier dread of the american invasion than of the scourge he worshipped the vicomtesse and was so devoid of professional pride as to give her freely all credit for my recovery he too clothed her with the qualities of statesmanship monsieur he said if that lady had been king of france do you think there would have been any states-general any red bonnets any jacobins or cordeliers parbleu she would have swept the vice-mongers and traitors out of the palace royal itself there would have been a housecleaning there i who speak to you know it every day nick wrote a bulletin to be sent to the vicomtesse and he took a fiendish delight in the composition of these he would come out on the gallery with ink and a blank sheet of paper and try to enlist my help he would insert the most ridiculous statements as for instance davy is worse to-day having bribed lindy to give him a pint of madeira against my orders or davy feigns to be sinking rapidly because he wishes to have you back indeed i was always in a torture of doubt to know what the rascal had sent his company was most agreeable when he was recounting the many adventures he had had during the five years after he had left new orleans and been lost to me these would fill a book and a most readable book it would be if written in his own speech his love for the excitement of the frontier had finally drawn him back to the cumberland country near nashville and he had actually gone so far as to raise a house and till some of the land which he had won from darnley it was perhaps characteristic of him that he had named the place rattle and snap in honor of the game which had put him in possession of it and rattle and snap it remains to this day he was going back there with antoinette so he said to build a brick mansion and to live a respectable life the rest of his days there was one question which had been in my mind to ask him concerning the attitude of monsieur de st that gentleman with madame had hurried back from point coupe at a message from the vicomtesse and had gone first to les les to see antoinette then he had come, in spite of the fever, to his own house in New Orleans to see Nick himself. What their talk had been I never knew, for the subject was too painful to be dwelt upon, and the conversation had been marked by frankness on both sides. Monsieur de saint Gris was a just man, his love for his daughter was his chief passion, and despite all that had happened, he liked Nick. I believe he could not wholly blame the younger man, and he forgave him mrs temple poor lady had died on that first night of my illness and it was her punishment that she had not known her son or her son's happiness whatever sins she had committed in her wayward life were atoned for and by her death i firmly believe that she redeemed him she lies now among the temples in charleston and on the stone which marks her grave is cut no line hints of the story of these pages one bright morning when nick and i were playing cards we heard someone mounting the stairs and to my surprise and embarrassment i beheld monsieur de Sangri emerging on the gallery he was in white linen and wore a broad hat which he took from his head as he advanced he had aged somewhat his hair was a little gray but otherwise he was the firm, dignified personage I had admired on this gallery five years before. "'Good morning, gentlemen,' he said in English. "'I do not rise, sir,' to me. He patted Nick's shoulder kindly, but not familiarly, as he passed him, and extended his hand. "'Mr. Ritchie, it gives me more pleasure than I can express to see you so much recovered.' i am again thrown on your hospitality sir i said flushing with pleasure at this friendliness for i admired and respected the man greatly and i fear i have been a burden and trouble to you and your family he took my hand and pressed it characteristically he did not answer this and i remember he was always careful not to say anything which might smack of insincerity i had a glimpse of you some weeks ago he said thus making light of the risk he had run you are a different man now you may thank your scotch blood and your strong constitution his good habits have done him some good after all put in my irrepressible cousin monsieur de Sangris smiled nick he said he pronounced the name quaintly like antoinette his good habits have turned out to be some advantage to you mr ritchie you have a faithful friend at least he patted nick's shoulder again and he has promised me to settle down i have every inducement sir said nick monsieur de st became grave you have indeed monsieur he answered i have just come from dr perrins david he added may i call you so well then i have just come from dr perrins and he says you may be moved to les els this very afternoon why upon my word he exclaimed staring at me you don't look pleased one would think you were going to the calabozo ah said nick slyly i know he has tasted freedom monsieur and madame la vicomtesse will be in command again i flushed nick could be very exasperating you must not mind him monsieur i said i do not mind him answered monsieur de sangree laughing in spite of himself he is a sad rogue as for helene i shall not know how to thank the vicomtesse i said she has done me the greatest service one person can do another. Helena is a good woman, answered Monsieur de saint simply. She is more than that. She is a wonderful woman. I remember telling you of her once. I little thought then that she would ever come to us. He turned to me. Dr. Perrin will be here this afternoon, David, and he will have you dressed. Between five and six, if all goes well, we shall start for Les and in the meantime gentlemen he added with a stateliness that was natural to him i have business which takes me to-day to my brother-in-law's monsieur de beausjour's nick leaned over the gallery and watched meditatively his prospective father-in-law leaving the courtyard he got me out of a devilish bad scrape he said how was that i asked listlessly that fat little baron the governor was for deporting me for running past the sentry and giving him all the trouble i did it seems that the vicomtesse promised to explain matters in a note which she wrote and never did explain she was here with you and lots she cared about anything else lucky that monsieur de Gris came back now his excellency graciously allows me to stay here if i behave myself until i get married i do not know how i spent the rest of the day it passed somehow if i had had the strength then i believe i should have fled i was to see her again to feel her near me to hear her voice during the weeks that had gone by i had schooled myself in a sense to the inevitable i had not let my mind dwell upon my visit to Le's, and now i was face to face with the struggle for which i felt i had not the strength I had fought one battle, I knew that a fiercer battle was to come. In due time the doctor arrived, and while he prepared me for my departure, the little man sought, with misplaced kindness, to raise my spirits. Was not monsieur going to the country, to a paradise? Monsieur, so Dr. Perrin had noticed, had a turn for philosophy." could two more able and brilliant conversationalists be found than philippe de st gris and madame la vicomtesse and there was the happiness of that strange but lovable young man monsieur temple to contemplate he was in luck sable gargum for he was getting an angel for his wife did monsieur know that mademoiselle antoinette was an angel at last i was ready arrayed in my best on the gallery when monsieur de st gris came André and another servant carried me down into the court and there stood a painted sedan chair with the st arms on the panels my father imported it david said Monsieur de st it has not been used for many years you are to be carried in it to the levee and there i have a boat for you overwhelmed by this kindness i could not find the words to thank him as i got into the chair my legs were too long for it i remember i had a quaint feeling of unreality as i sank back on the red satin cushions and was borne out of the gate between the lions monsieur de sangree and nick walked in front the faithful lindy followed and people paused to stare at us as we passed we crossed the place d'Armes, the royal road gained the willow bordered promenade on the levee's crown and a wide barge was waiting manned by six negro oarsmen they lifted me into its stern under the awning the barge was cast off the oars dipped and we were gliding silently past the line of keel boats on the swift current of the mississippi the spars of the shipping were inky black and the setting sun had struck a red band across the waters for a while the three of us sat gazing at the green shore each wrapped in his own reflections philippe de sangree thinking perchance of the wayward son he had lost nick of the woman who awaited him and i of one whom fate had set beyond me it was monsieur de sangree who broke the silence at last you feel no ill effects from your moving david he asked with an anxious glance at me none sir i said the country air will do you good he said kindly and madame la vicomtesse will put him on a diet added nick rousing himself helene will take care of him answered monsieur de Saint-Gris. he fell to musing again madame la vicomtesse has seen more in seven years than most of us in a lifetime he said she has beheld the glory of france and the dishonor and pollution of her country had the old order lasted her salon would have been famous and she would have been a power in politics i've thought that the vicomtesse must have had a queer marriage nick remarked monsieur de Sangris smiled such marriages were the rule amongst our nobility he said it was arranged while helene was still in the convent though it was not celebrated until three years after she had been in the world There was a romantic affair, I believe, with a young gentleman of the English embassy, though I do not know the details. He is said to be the only man she ever cared for. He was a younger son of an impoverished earl. I started remembering what the vicomtesse had said, but Monsieur de saint did not appear to see my perturbation. Be that as it may, if Helene suffered, she never gave a sign of it. The marriage was celebrated with great pomp, and the world could only conjecture what she thought of the vicomte it was deemed to be both sides a brilliant match he had inherited vast estates ivry la tour montmarie les Ceylantes, i know not what else she was heiress to the chateau de st gris with its wide lands to the chateau and the lands of the cote rouge in normandy to the hotel st gris in paris monsieur le vicomte was between forty and fifty at his marriage and from what i have heard of him he had many of the virtues and many of the faults of his order he was a bachelor which does not mean that he lacked consolations he was reserved with his equals and distant with others he had served in the guards and did not lack courage he dressed exquisitely was inclined to the pollanac party took his ease everywhere had the knowledge of cards and courts and little else he was cheated by his stewards refused to believe that the revolution was serious and would undoubtedly have been guillotined had the vicomtesse not contrived to get him out of france in spite of himself they went first to the duc de line at belle Ole, and thence to Coblenz he accepted a commission in the austrian service which is much to his credit and Helene went with some friends to england there my letter reached her and rather than be beholden to strangers or accept my money there she came to us that is her story in brief messieurs as for monsieur le comte he admired his wife as well he might respected her for the way she served the gallants but he made no pretence of loving her one affair a girl in the village of montmarie had lasted helene was destined for higher things than may be found in louisiana said monsieur de sangris turning to nick but now that you are to carry away my treasure monsieur i do not know what i should have done without her and has there been any news of the vicomte of late it was nick who asked the question after a little monsieur de sangris looked at him in surprise have you not heard he said c'est vrai you have been with david did not the vicomtesse mention it but why should she monsieur le vicomte died in vienna he had lived too well the vicomte is dead i said they both looked at me indeed i should not have recognized my own voice what my face betrayed what my feelings were i cannot say my heart beat no faster there was no tumult in my brain and yet my breath caught strangely something grew within me which is beyond the measure of speech and so it was meant to be i did not know this myself until aline returned to les Elles. monsieur de Gris was saying to me the letter came to her the day after you were taken ill it was from the Baron von Sackenbruck, at whose house the vicomte died she took it very calmly but aline is not a woman to pretend how much better after all if she had married her englishman for love and she is much troubled now because as she declares she is dependent upon my bounty that is my happiness my consolation the good man added simply and her father the marquis was kind to me when i was a young provincial and a stranger god rest his soul we were drawing near to Les Elles, the rains had come during my illness, and in the level evening light the forest of the shore was the tender green of spring. At length we saw the white wooden steps in the levee at the landing, and near them were three figures waiting. We glided nearer. One was Madame de Sangris, another was Antoinette, these I saw indeed. The other was Helene and it seemed to me that her eyes met mine across the waters and drew them then we were at the landing i heard madame de st gr's voice and antoinette's in welcome i listened for another i saw nick running up the steps in the impetuosity of his love he had seized antoinette's hand in his and she was the color of a red rose creole decorum forbade further advances andre and another lifted me out and they gathered around me these kind people and devoted friends antoinette calling me with exquisite shyness by name madame de sangree giving me a grave but gentle welcome and asking anxiously how i stood the journey another took my hand held it for the briefest space that had been marked out of time and for that instant i looked into her eyes Life flowed back into me, and strength, and a joy not to be fathomed. I could have walked, but they bore me through the well-remembered vista, and the white gallery at the end of it was like the sight of home. The evening air was laden with the scent of the sweetest of all shrubs and flowers. End of chapter 13